Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. First up, we have to welcome all the way down from Kyneton, Margot McDonald. Good morning, Margot. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. Very nice to be here. And the weather's a bit warmer than last time we saw you. <laughs> it's it's almost tropical, I'd have to say. Yeah, we did have a frost yesterday morning, a mild one. Look, even so, I did. I yeah. had a frost on the roof. I couldn't yeah. believe it. That's because we had a nice fine day after it. But uh, we've been punished again, back, back to the windy situation. But, you know, thank you for the nice sunny day that we did have. And you'll be very happy you're not in a nursery and picking up pots this morning. Yeah, that is the big news, Pam. I have officially sold the nursery. After six years, and uh, I'm a free agent and uh, loving it, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> and guarding, guarding your little head off by the uh, Yes, it. I'm a woman possessed. Right. <laughs> Aren't most gardeners? <laughs> they just don't have the time well, on their hands. <laughs> yes, but Pam, I've had six years without my own garden. Yes. And, and, and also been in a lolly shop with all the plants. Yes, of course. So, so. you know, the frustration is over. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, well done too for those six years of hard work setting up the Garden Tap Nursery in Kyneton. Yes, indeed. Thanks, and Pat. of course, of course, the nursery continues. We yes, should it say, does. tell listeners that, so yep. it's still open and running. And yep. uh, so, uh, new owners. That's it. Yes. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. We've also got to say a very good morning to Penny Woodward. Hi, Penny. Hi, Pam. Listeners, it's lovely to be here again. I made it up all right without being blown off the road. Oh, yes. It was certainly windy down our way overnight. Right. It was, uh, yeah, we didn't have any trees come down, but there's a lot of trees have come down in the area. So Right. Yeah. It's but, always my big worry because yeah. um, in Eltham we're surrounded by huge gum trees. Yeah. And but we love our trees. We oh, yes. We wouldn't be without them. And, you no. Know, it's it's tough sometimes when you you know got a tree close to the house and you need to do something about it. Mm. And, um, I actually worry more about fire with big trees close to the house. But and the problem is when you've got big trees on their own, they're much more prone to coming down than when they're in a forest. Yes, because they they get all the all the wind instead of sharing it amongst all the different trees. So look, it's one of those decisions that we're having to make all the time as gardeners mm. and landscapers and all that sort of thing is what we do with big trees. But I think um, it's nice to see a lot of people when they're taking when they feel they need to take trees down, actually leaving the big trunks and stumps behind and cutting holes into them and and creating them as, yes, as it's wildlife a new trend, isn't it? It's habitat. Great. So yes. it's great to see that at least there is you know some sort of compromise sometimes. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I think people are just more aware now, aren't they, that, that we need to well, that provide need some to more habitat. Those, all those places for all our all our micro bats and um, all the other things that are looking for homes. Absolutely, rosellas, parrots. Yep, I had a rosella yesterday. I've got a jasmine vine right outside the kitchen window, and it landed on the jasmine vine. And one by one, it was plucking the individual flowers oh. off the tree <laughs> and it was getting them at the base of the flower. So it was getting the nectar from the base of the flower and it sat there and it must have taken 50 flowers off the jasmine My vine, Lord. just going meticulously from right. one flower to the next, getting the, getting the nectar and then dropping them. It was absolutely wonderful. Mm. You know, it's one of those really special moments that make life worth living. Right, just watching this bird, <laughs> and how far away were you from the bird? Only about five feet, because oh, it was um. it, the vines right outside the. But I was looking just down on it, so it wasn't yes. really aware of me being there. And um, yeah, it was just amazing. 
Really wonderful to watch. No, since I've noticed it, I've seen them at several others. Or it might be the same one that keeps coming back, but I've now noticed it a couple of times that they've been mm. there. So, yeah, that was really special. Well, in, in a similar vein, I've had a, I was watching a, a lorikeet out my um, kitchen window um, and my wisteria is just coming into flower. But it was not doing the right thing. It wasn't taking the nectar. It was just pinching off all the new flower buds and actually eating the flower buds, oh, like, the whole flower bud. But as long as they're eating them, you don't feel so no, bad. No, at least they it's weren't they dropping it on the da- ground. damage them yep. for no particular <clears throat> seeming purpose. Yep. But yes. yep. But anyway, I know why I might be a bit more sparse on flowers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope he doesn't tell all his friends. But. Yes. <laughs> I've got some netting in the car if you want a pair. Oh, I can't. It's higher than the house. It's huge. Right. <laughs> no, I've just got to let it be. Yeah, you have to of... learn to live with nature. You do. You do. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And it, it does. It gives you something interesting to watch. I'll Indeed. give you that much. <laughs> we have to say a very good morning, too, to Wendy Henderson. And, Wendy, you're part of the Growing Friends group at Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. I am. Good morning, listeners, and good morning, everyone else here. Yes, I'm part of the um, Friends, the Growing Friends of the Royal Botanic Gardens, and we have a sale coming up next You weekend. certainly have. You're we gearing do. up for a big event. We are. We are. It's all hands to the pump. Absolutely. Yes. Okay, well, we'll come back and talk about all the, the details of that in a little while. Sure. All right, I'm going to get straight into some community announcements because, as usual, at this time of the year, there's a lot happening. So if you haven't got plans uh, for today or for the next weekend, well, we can certainly offer you a few ideas. First up, uh, we've got the 30th, 13th, I should say, biennial exhibition of the Art of Botanical Illustration. Now, um This is a wonderful exhibition that, as I say, they hold in October. Uh, It started again yesterday and it's running through till the 30th. It's being held at Domain House. Uh, It's open daily from 10am through to 4pm. Domain House, of course, is in Dallas Brooks Drive there in Melbourne, uh, right by the the Shrine of Remembrance. Uh, Entry is gold coin donation. All the works on exhibit are for sale. And, of course, it's all about uh, botanical art. So if you're interested at all in botanical art, uh, you'll see uh, most of our leading botanical artists represented there in this exhibition. So it is open today, running right through till the 30th, 10 o'clock through till 4pm. Also on today uh, is a native flower show. This is being held by the Australian Plant Society South Gippsland Group. Uh, it's at the Leongatha Recreation Reserve. It's in the club room there. Entry is uh, Adult entry is $4 and it's running from 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock this afternoon. If you have any inquiries, 5664-2221. That's 5664-2221. And in conjunction with that plant sale, there will also be a book sale as well. So that's uh, 10 till 4 today down at Lee and Gatha. Now also a reminder that Gardevalia, which runs all the way through October, um, is on again at the moment. Uh, And also in conjunction with Gardevalia, um, our good friend Meryl Johnson has got... uh, Uh, an opening of the nursery and gardens at Country Farm Perennials uh, there as well. She opened that yesterday and that's running through until the 2nd of November. 
open every day 10 till 4. Uh, it's free entry to the gardens and nursery. Uh, so you can stroll the one and a half acres of manicured gardens, have a cup of tea or coffee with homemade cakes and slices on the weekend or bring your own picnic and uh, the nursery will also be on display. Now, of course, Gardevalia is a festival of, of gardens all down in that same area. There are so many gardens open and so many different workshops being run over October. I really do recommend that uh, listeners jump online, have a look at their website, and that way you can uh, choose which gardens you'd like to see, which weekends they're open and times. The uh, website is simply gardevalia.com.au and gardevalia is spelled G-A-R-D-I-V-A-L-I-A. So that's gardevalia.com.au and this is its actual 10th year of uh, running the festival. So they're doing a fantastic job down there. Now, uh, as part of Open Gardens Victoria, Sam Cox's garden in Wattle Glen is open today. Uh, The address is 12 Lorimer Road in Wattle Glen, that's spelt L-O-R-I-M-E-R, 12 Lorimer Road, Wattle Glen. It's open 10 to 4.30. Entry is $8. Children under 18 are free. And, of course, it's evocative of the Australian bush landscape. It's a garden developed by Sam and uh, his partner, Lisa Hatfield, Uh, It's been created from a setting which two decades ago was surrounded by paddocks and a few remnant red box and yellow gum. Uh, Now, uh, uh, as I say, it's it's out in Wattle Glen. Um, Most people are very uh, familiar with uh, Sam Cox's designs. He was mentored by Gordon Ford. So, uh, of course, there's going to be wonderful placement of basalt boulders, meandering soft surface pathways, integrated ponds and waterfalls, um, all recalling the design techniques of Edna Walling and Ellis Stone. So a garden well worth going to see if you've never been out there before. So that's 10 o'clock through till 4.30 today. Now, next weekend, of course, uh, Open Gardens Victoria continues and they have two gardens opening in the Macedon area next weekend. One is Waterview which is at 36 Hedewick Lane in Macedon. Uh, and the other one is Lewisham at 305 Mount Macedon Road in Macedon. Both of them are open next Saturday and Sunday, 10 o'clock till 4.30. Entry, again, is $8 for either. Children under 18 being free. They're very elegant country gardens, Um One is a romantic 2.3 hectare garden with views to Mount Macedon and featuring streams and lakes um, with bridges, wide lawns, meandering paths. Uh, The other one is also um, an elegant country garden in the foothills of Mount Macedon, bursting with spring flowering bulbs and blossoming ornamental crab apples, cherries and orchard trees. Now, once again, our good friends at Open Gardens Victoria have offered one free double pass to Waterview and another free double pass to Lewisham. So the first two listeners who like to phone in now on 94190155 can each receive a free double pass to one of those two gardens in the Macedon regions for regions for next week end. So nine 
419-0155. Now, a few more things on today if you haven't planned uh, your day. Box Hill Floral Art Society have got their floral art exhibition. This is at Whitehorse Centre, which is at 375 to, uh, sorry, 379 to 397 Whitehorse Road in Nunnawadding. It's held in conjunction with the Whitehorse Festival at Whitehorse Centre. Uh, now, it's open at 10 o'clock till 4 o'clock, uh, and that uh, is, as I say, Box Hill uh, venue, Whitehorse Centre, in Whitehorse Road, Nunawadding there. Also on today, the Yarra Valley Orchid Society Spring Show. This is taking place in the Seville Hall, Warburton Highway in Seville. Uh, time for that today is 9 through till 4. Cost is $5 per person. And, of course, there'll be an exhibition of flowering orchids. There'll be plant and bark sales, potting demonstrations, Devonshire teas and light refreshments there. Now, uh, the rest are coming up next weekend, so I might save those till a bit later in the show. But uh, we should get back, Wendy, to talk about this big event that's happening in the gardens. And I'm sure the growing friends have been really busy um, propagating plants for uh, the last months and months and months to prepare for this. Absolutely, yes, fam. We... um what we do is after after one of these two sales that we have every year, uh, straight after that, we're back there propagating straight away. So <laughs> it's it's an ongoing thing. We we do have a knees up the the Friday after, but after that, it's we're onto it uh, as usual. And <laughs> this time, it's going to be bigger than normal because I don't know if most of your viewers understand, but it's a different uh, format this this time uh, what we're having it's called the botanic and rare plant fair and friends spring plant sale it's a bit it's of a, a long yeah. title <laughs> you wouldn't want to print that out that. too often <laughs> I've, I've been practicing that <laughs> well done in the shower uh, and it's also going to be uh, not only is it a, a different format but it's going to be in a different place so where we used to be, which was inside um, E-Gate, um, that has now been taken over by the gardens, which I suppose is fair enough since it's theirs, uh, and they've redesigned it. So we're out of there forever. Um, and the next thing is going to be where we find a permanent home. Right. Uh, and um, we're not sure where that will be. So that hasn't been decided. But um, for this this spring sale anyway, we will be um, in the observatory precinct, which is directly opposite the shrine. So it's sort of... It's actually officially outside the Botanic Gardens, uh, but it's within that whole area, but it's not actually in the gardens anymore. So what you do is if you're going along Birdswood Avenue and you go Bird, Birdwood Avenue uh, and you go past the herbarium, you just keep going until you see the shrine on, on your left side. And there's a sort of a little road that goes in to the, to the Café Tan and all these sort of observatory buildings. It's got a boom gate on it, so you can't drive in there, but that will be the entrance to the whole shebang. Oh, right. Yeah, so um, there should be a couple of tents there, uh, and it'll be um, that'll be the entry, and um, you do actually have to pay $10 to get in for the public. If you're a friend of the Royal Botanic Gardens, 
a paid up friend that that is you will be admitted free now um, if you think, oh my God, you know, I really want to get in there, but I also want to get in there free, and I'm not a, a member, there will be a tent. You can't, you can't escape us. There will be a tent in front of the entry uh, entrance tent uh, where you can buy membership straight there. Okay. Or you, or you can go online. <clears throat> yep. Uh, and it really is worth becoming a friend because there's so many. It opens. Uh, opens people up to a different world of all the sorts of activities that are going on and there's e-newses twice a, twice a, a month uh, so if you're computer literate you can get, get those um, without having to worry too much uh, and there's really interesting stuff in those and then we've got the different um, magazines which are sent out by snail mail I think um, maybe they've just changed that it may, it may be all uh, via the internet these days uh, to keep costs down. Uh, so, but also the other thing is, if you are a member, you get ten percent off um, the marked prices of in our area, uh, but not anyone else's. So, right. so it's just for our our um, followers. Uh, and uh, so, once you get in through the entrance, then you're open to everything. Um, there's you know, uh, diggers and there's all sorts of um, different um, people. Um, what are there? There's That's a big change, isn't it, Wendy? Yes. That you've got other yes. growers coming in for yes. the sale? Yes, yes. So so actually, sort of in a way, some of them will be our competitors, <laughs> if you look at it that way, because um, there'll be people there that will have similar plants to us. So there, there are rare plant um, people there. There's trees, succulents, um, perennials, orchids, bulbs. Uh, but there's also tools, people, uh, tool, tool people, tool makers, and um, gardening book people. Mm-hmm. And lovely, lovely Gilteig from Floral Agents coming down. So he's always oh, worth right. a chat. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he has a fabulous range of books. So oh, it's, sure. It's really quite exciting that so many people selling wonderful things are coming yes. together in yes. the gardens yes, in one central. Absolutely, Place. all in yeah. one go. Yeah. So, so, but we're on to a little bit on the side. So, um, and and you have to come through our little entrance as well because we need to be sure that um, people who come in go, you know, pay on the way out. Uh, we've got our own system, so but we're still within this group and very close by. So yes, people can wander around. The other good thing is there's going to be a plant crash. So you can drop off your stuff and um, and wander around, have a coffee, whatever, go on tours. There'll be tours um, of the gardens uh, and there'll be uh, forums. So there'll be speakers and all that sort of stuff too. So uh, for which I think you can only really book online. I'm, I'm really not au fait with the other side of things. I'm just – I just know my little group. Uh, so uh, – that's good. There's a crash, uh, so people can leave their things there. And also, there's going to be a pickup point um, for you to uh, 
to get your car a little bit closer so you can pick up your plants because they're quite heavy. Yeah, you know, what a, a great idea. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll have friends, we'll have people there uh, with trolleys and things because sometimes people mm. buy whole trolley mm. worth of, of things and they're very heavy. So uh, we, we help anyone, even little old ladies with one plant. We'll help anyone get, get themselves to a car and, and transport. So you don't need to worry about the weight of things. Uh, so yes, that's that's what we'll we'll be doing. Um, the hours have changed a little bit for us too. Um, it'll now be from uh, open from ten until four both days, and okay. it used to be ten till three on a Sunday. So you could pack up basically. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> We're being made to work another hour more than normal. But we'll cope. We'll cope. So yeah, so it's very different. It, it'll be really interesting to see if this. Uh, arrangement brings in uh, different people, new people than the ones that we normally see. You know, it may bring in fresh blood, and no, uh, that's that's all good. Mm. Well, I, I really see it as as almost two separate events, but but combining on the one day and yep. and in the one um, area. Yep. Because um, you know, traditionally the friends group have always had their their spring plant sale. Um, which is which has always been run there in the gardens, and you've got a lot of devoted um, purchasers who we line do. up. Yes, particularly yes. first thing Saturday morning. Yes, yes. And then I see this almost separate event of other stallholders and series of um, of speakers and debates as as being part of a, a rare plant sale. Um, True. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it is. That's sort of value adding to the day if yes, you like yes yes that's that's the idea and we'll just see how it goes um mm. uh, it's as i said before uh, it's, it's new to us all and it may not happen again next year we really don't know uh but it anyway it's it's going to be really interesting to see see what happens it's new I, for us i presume uh, are the friends still going to have their their regular autumn plant yes, sale absolutely in autumn yes and that will Purely be a plants uh, a friend's sale. I should think so. Yes, yes. Things are a bit up in the air at the moment because we really don't know where we'll be. No, that's a bit hard. <laughs> so, is the nursery changed as well? No, no. The nursery is in the same place, which is sort of in the middle of the uh, well uh, near Birdwood Avenue, but it's sort of in the middle of 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 the gardens, and so. Any, anywhere that we go next will be quite a quite a hike to mm. to get our plants there, and but we'll just have to make do with with how we go. Yes, but yeah. I mean, it's 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 all good. We'll work something out, but I really don't know about the autumn sale. It'll be there, but I'm not sure where. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure we tell listeners okay. well ahead of time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Now, yeah, it's it's. I, I I have to admit, I've had quite a bit of correspondence over the last week about this sale because we all know how important it is to raise money for for the gardens and the the growing friends group have been doing this admirably for years and years. How many years have the friends? Been uh, well, I've been on doing this? it for twenty three years, and Goodness. I wasn't the first, so it's probably closer to twenty eight, twenty nine years. That's that's yeah. amazing, fantastic, and yeah. there've been thousands of dollars raised over that time, haven't there? Absolutely. Well, um, we were doing really well uh, before the GST came in, uh, and that's really 
brought our profits down. I have to say, this is possibly a little political, but it's. I just find it bizarre that we are raising money for the gardens and uh, which is sort of pretty much owned by the government. It's a sort of a governmental thing, instrumentality, um, and yet they're taking, with GST tax on our plant sales, they're taking it away. 10% of your, your yes, money. Go, yes, yes. Not fair. Yeah, because we're not a charity, so we're not exempt. And But up until then, we're doing quite well. But we've, we've bounced back, and we sort of make about... $50,000 a year over the two sales. Wow. Okay. Yes, yes, which is ploughed straight it's back. It's fantastic into, yeah, for the it gardens. It even is. So. It's yes. wonderful. Yep. But the other plus of what we do is that we disseminate this um, really important plant material from the botanic gardens. Quite mm. often it's not available anywhere else. That's right. Yes, and some of it's extremely rare and mm. um, often from... in. Uh, plants are endangered in the wild and so uh, we we get some of that stuff in fact there is one plant um to uh on at this sale that is endangered um that uh we'll be selling so you should screen who's allowed to buy it (laughs) (laughs) make sure they've got green thumbs yes (laughs) yes no well most most of our most of our customers are 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 just like the rest of us here Mm. that we're all fairly passionate about what we do and and we know they're going almost always to really good homes yep. and, and it's fantastic. Yep, yeah. yep. Now, um, I mentioned I'd, I'd had a bit of correspondence during the week. Some people are really quite upset about the $10 entry charge. Yes. Um, is this $10 going back to the gardens? Do you know? Uh, I don't know is the answer to that. Um, I, I doubt it. I'm, I'm not sure. I really, yep. I really don't know. It, this is something that has is an agreement between the Botanic Gardens, not us, but between the Botanic Gardens and um, and uh, diggers. And I don't know what the financial arrangements right. are, really. Yep. Yeah. But the friends, the growing friends have had no say in, in this no, whole set-up at all. We, we haven't. No, no, no it's come no, it's purely so from the top. <laughs> it has, yes. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know whether uh, we had no choice in going along with this or not I have no idea about the politics of it but um, it is what it is and some of us are really quite disappointed that there's the ten dollars there because uh, really the point of these um, sales um, are to the public um, not to specific members because we have um, members sales we uh, on Fridays uh, and and that's for members only, and that's once a month. Uh, and so that side of things is looked after. So the public can't come to those. So these big sales are really us um, allowing, you know, getting people in that are, are not members who, um, you know, we can maybe bring over to the cause a yes, little bit. Yes. You know, it's a bit evangelical, I suppose, but... Uh, that's really why we do this, to get everyone in to, to um, have, have a look at what we have mm. and to come away with some goodies. So it is, it is disappointing that there's that $10. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's a first up time this yes. event's ever been held. Mm. Um, uh, 
It's really interesting to see how it goes. Certainly, you're bringing in a lot of um, incredible specialty nurseries, um, you know, collectibles, bulb seeds, you name it. Yep. Um, so, and, and as well as the uh, the panel discussions. Yes, yes. Uh, and you've got a lot of fantastic guest speakers there with the different uh, panel discussions there. So there's a lot taking place. Um, I guess the bottom line is we really need to get the general public to support this anyway because the bottom line is the botanic gardens have to have money raised each year so that they can continue their wonderful work and with our climates getting warmer uh, there's so much to be done in particularly in Melbourne uh, botanic gardens with the the point of view of of succession of plantings and how we're going to be dealing with a climate 50 years from now and how the gardens are going to cope. So that all takes money and planning and, you know. Yes, absolutely. There's also something else which is really quite dire and that's the state of the herbarium. Uh, it's on its last legs, quite frankly. And uh, Tim has, the director, um, had a talk about it a few months ago and I went along and I was absolutely appalled absolutely shocked at the terrible state it's in. So that's, they're going to have to build a new one. Right. They, they, can't, um, they can't fix the one that's there. Uh, it's too far gone and the, the collection is just too, too big for it. They can't keep adding on and adding on. Mm. So they need a new one and that's going to take a lot of money. So everything, every little bit helps. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, the government, I don't think, is going to... They're going to help out, but I, I don't think... Oh, well, they, think can't, they, they can't, can't provide money for the whole no, project. No. Not by any means. And no. the collection in that herbarium is so important to be preserved. It's totally priceless. It is priceless. It yes. is priceless. And, and Tim was saying um, that... Uh, in the early days, um, I can't remember which one, uh, which director it was, was very big on herbaria, and he was buying ones from Europe as uh, because there were a lot of private collectors and people would go off to China or wherever on their own bat and come back with all these specimens, and they had their own their own private collections. And once those people snuffed it, I suppose they were up for sale. And so this this man um, bought a lot of these things from Europe, and. Some of them still haven't been unpacked, and this is good from, heavens. Yeah, and and they're up on uh, still wrapped in their original string and paper and stuff on the top of shelves, My on goodness. the top of cupboards and things. I've seen the photos uh, yeah. of them. Yeah, look, they are stored in appropriate climate and all that sort I'm of. I'm glad thing. you added that. <laughs> well, I mean, I I actually did a, had a tour of the oh, of the good. facilities, and, yes. and Certainly there's overcrowding, certainly mm. a new herbarium is needed, but they are doing everything possible to oh, get these preserved and they have a huge yes. team of volunteers. They do. And they would have more volunteers if they had more space who yes. are gradually growing through these things and mounting them and finding things that are there and they're amongst them are some mm. really important they first discoveries of particular plants mm. which means that they're the, they're the reference point for everyone in the world for that plant. There's one yes. there that is from. There are some there from David Livingstone's um, time expeditions, in expeditions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's just an extraordinary wealth of um, and and um, from the early some of the early Australian expeditions mm. where where yeah, Burke, the Burke and Wills exhibit mm. expedition. So um, you know, there's just extraordinary stuff there that there really is. needs to be protected. And if I can just 
briefly go back to the plant sale, the rare plant thing. Yes. I think this really, this whole thing is an attempt to raise more funds for the garden. Yes. For all sorts of reasons. And Mm. I think the Friends do an amazing job in the gardens and they're a wonderful group of people and if you're looking to meet lovely people, that's one of the things that I... People who are involved with plants are such fabulous people. So uh, I think everyone should join the Friends, both the Botanic Gardens in Melbourne and the Cranburn Botanic Gardens. Um, but they And the Kindon Botanic Gardens Friends Group. Yeah. Absolutely. You can make a mission of it. But I also think that there needs to be some innovation in this field. And I think it's very sad if anyone's toes have been trodden on in this process. But I think that we need to try new things to get funds into the gardens. And this this plant fee has the potential to double the income of, of what might otherwise have um, come into the Friends. It has the potential to ha- get new members for the Friends from people who you know didn't even know they existed because they'll see that this big event is on in the gardens. It has the potential to showcase the gardens so that people realise what wonderful asset our gardens are because quite often the only people who go there are the people in the immediate region but people should be coming from all over Melbourne to visit these gardens to have days out with their families to take picnics it's a really really precious resource and I just think anything that can get the Mm -hmm. word out there of how important these gardens are can help raise funds for the gardens is worth trying. So anyway, that's my... <laughs> Excellent. I can't disagree with any of Well, it will be interesting to see how it all ends up hmm. and the results of the sales and, you know, figures and things. Yes, 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 mm. it will be interesting. So I'll be watching this space. <laughs> <laughs> so will we all. I would, I would actually like to... I mean, the gardens are such, as you said, Penny, a brilliant resource. I'd actually like to see more events taking place in the garden um, at different times of the year. Mm. I mean... People don't think of going into the gardens at wintertime, for instance, mm. and, and we could do some wonderful events in the gardens at wintertime where you see the bones of the structure of the gardens and you see you see some of the wonderful barks there from mm. the deciduous trees. And, and, and I mean, we, we have to preserve the gardens. We have to preserve the herbarium. It's, it's absolutely vital. So um, I do I, – I certainly support um, – the idea of events, um, yeah. and and we'll see we'll see how it goes. Yeah, they have to be managed with care though, because you can they love do. gardens to death. You can you know trample all over. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, things. So uh, you have to be quite careful. But Tim, I'm pretty sure, is onto all of that. He's mm. he's an innovative sort of a person. Mm. And I think the and fact that this is being held in that area, out the, which isn't actually part of the yes. gardens, yes. Is, a, is a really good thing because it's not going to do any damage. Yes, you're yes. not. Comp- Impacting um, no, precious yeah. there's areas. A, there's and already a whole lot of paving and yeah, and yes, yes, all that sort yes, of thing yes, in that, yes. In that and area. it's really like um, the Mount Macedon Horticultural Fair that they just had for rare plants yeah. Yeah. at Bolabek. So people who couldn't get to that have now got the opportunity yeah. to go and see even more things. Yeah. And over the years we've struggled to have a spring fair in Melbourne. And, yes. you know, this has the potential to perhaps become quite yes, big and, yes. and popular and a yearly mm. event and, mm. and I would much rather the money was going into the Botanic Gardens pocket than into an entrepreneur's pocket which is what happens with a lot of other mm. spring, a lot of other garden fairs. Yep, yep. So, yep. Yeah, anyway. Yep. As Wendy said, um, I think the one concern is that, that, that some of this money may not go into the gardens and I think the more that can be 
that can be earmarked to go directly back to the gardens, the better. I think think with Tim in charge, you can have complete faith that Mm. every cent possible is going back to the gardens. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Anyway, I really don't know. <laughs> either we way, hope. either way, it's all happening next week. It is ten o'clock till four o'clock yes. on both days. Yep. Now, tell me, Wendy, have the friends group put up their catalogue online again? Yes, yes, that's wonderful. Up. Yes, it's up, uh, and the catalogue's even been printed, which is exciting because usually it's the sort of thing we have at the last moment. So, yes, now um, the online. Uh, I I must say just one small thing about the catalogue online. It may not necessarily coincide perfectly with the catalogue that has been printed because it um, sometimes there's last-minute changes. Plant, of course. Yes, plants being plants, some of them actually die in within a month. Some of them don't come up when they were expected to, like my hostas. Well, it's been a cold <laughs> season too. Yes, so. yes, and I'm there just willing them to please come up because they're in the catalogue, but uh, they, may, they may not <laughs> They don't know down. that, Wendy. No, no one told don't. them. <laughs> so uh, I know from time to time there are people that turn up and say, oh, but we came specially for XYZ and... Uh, All I can say is I'm really sorry, but the plant hasn't performed as it was supposed to have. And and that's all I can say. So, uh, But the vast majority of it, of it is exactly as, as it should be. Uh, and so, yes, it's up on – you can go to the um, – to the website, the Botanic Gardens website, and find the catalogue there. Okay. Mm. Excellent. Yes. Fantastic. All right. It's uh, more than time that we invited our listeners to join us. If you'd like to ask a gardening question this morning, do give us a call, uh, 94190155. We have Penny Woodward, Margot MacDonald, and Wendy Henderson from the Growing Friends of RBG Melbourne in the studio. So we'd love to hear from you, 9419. Zero one double five. Okay, uh, Penny, you've brought in some bits and pieces, and I think you've. Did you personally go down to the tomato festival in no, I Tassie? Didn't. You I didn't get there this year. To. Yeah, yes, but it it was. Um, it's apparently been an amazing success. So I wrote about it in the last edition of Organic Gardener magazine, and um, they've been propagating these amazing tomatoes, including some um, some of the dwarf. Um, ones that that are and that are actually have actually been developed in Australia. So you know a whole range of, of tomatoes. So they had their pre-sale on Thursday, which they the whole sale became so popular that they had to find a way of dividing it over a couple of days. Um, they had their pre-sale on Thursday and they charged ten dollars for the pre-sale to try and keep the numbers to raise. This is a, another fundraiser for the Tasmanian Botanic Gardens. So they have people queued up right down the road and sort of out. To buy tomatoes. To buy tomatoes. Yeah, it's extraordinary. They've been doing this now for eight or nine years and each year they've got seed from unusual places. So they've been, they've been particularly looking for cold climate tomatoes. Great. So ones that yes. will produce fruit in a, in a filly in a short time. Um, they've, they imported seed from the U.S., until they got to the point where um, there were a whole lot of new regulations about importing Solanaceae mm. seed because of virus, uh, so virus and, and other problems associated with it. So they had to, um, they had to. It got too expensive to mm. do that because they had to come with a phytosanitary certificate. Oh, um, nice. And then they then they got onto the dwarf tomato project in New South Wales, where they've been in again in collaboration with the US. They've been developing these amazing dwarf tomatoes, breeding them 
with the um, indeterminate tomatoes so that they were getting all sorts of different characteristics and over seven generations they are breeding true to type. So dwarf bushes or dwarf fruit? Dwarf bushes. Yeah, So right. they're, they're stocky bushes yeah. but um, and there have been quite a few of them around but they're quite boring in their range of fruit that they bear. So mm-hmm. that they mainly only bear sort of little red ones or big red ones. So what they thought was we want to get some other colours mm. and types and flavours into the dwarf ones. So they've been breeding them with things like, I presume, green zebra and some of the yellow pear tomatoes and a whole range of different ones and breeding them until they're stable so that they're not yeah. like F1 hybrids. They've they've kept breeding them over generations till they've got... And they're calling them things like Uluru Gold oh. so that we have our <laughs> wow. own fabulous Australian. tomatoes. Yes. So Great. you've been able to buy this seed through the Dwarf Tomato Project on their website for quite a few years. But this year the tomato-growing um, people in Tassie decided that they would get some of this seed and actually grow them out and sell seedlings. What a great so that idea. was the the big draw this year for them and it's been a roaring success. So mm. I think they've got pretty close to selling out all these amazing tomatoes. Could so. you go down and buy some and bring them back Absolutely. to Victoria? You can't take them to Tasmania, but you can take them out of Tasmania. And you can bring them into Victoria? Yes. yes. Oh, yes. excellent. Yeah, no problems at all. Okay. Yeah. Terrific. And, and um, Margot was actually, this year, was doing some limited um, s- posting to people who specifically asked her to. So. Oh, wonderful. But I think, I'd, look, I don't know. I haven't heard after yesterday's sale, except that it went really well. I haven't heard any more than that. So, um, yeah. So, I, look, I just think botanic gardens are doing innovative things yes, so that was pretty, that's pretty exciting do you know I, I saw a program a couple of weeks ago um an english program and they've actually been experimenting with um with grafting tomatoes onto potatoes because yes. of course they're in the yep. same family so you're actually they're growing tomatoes on the on top potatoes. on and potatoes, potatoes and potatoes <laughs> underneath so yeah. oh, i mean can you imagine that in a balcony garden <laughs> yes. for instance yes. <laughs> it's extraordinary it's crazy idea yeah. but yeah. i can see why it's yeah. working yeah look it's funny it's um it's funny how these sort of trendy things take off sometimes yes. it's like growing the upside down tomatoes that was really trendy for a while until people realised that you, it wasn't really terribly successful. <laughs> yes, so that's right. Nice to start off with and was quite interesting. But I think I think this other breeding is really quite interesting, some of the, some of the stuff yes. that mm. they're doing. And I, I just love the fact that it's all being done by volunteers, yeah. I mean, yeah. like, like your yes. volunteers. Yes. And, yeah. and the, you know, this, apart from Margot, who works for the Botanic Gardens, everybody else involved is a volunteer. Mm. Um, and they were, they've been farming the tomato plants out to grow in the local... The local prisoners have been growing them. They've been growing them in the botanic gardens oh, to fantastic. get them through sev- the, the sort of couple of generations to make sure that they are growing true to type from the seeds that they've grown them. And they've had groups down in southern Tassie who have been growing them. So it's a whole community mm. effort. And I love it when, when that happens, mm. when, you know, the volunteers are all deeply involved. Mm. Yes, yep. well, it becomes synergistic, doesn't it? it yeah. Yes, it, it all becomes greater than the than the, the sum. Than the, yeah, yeah than indeed. The sum yeah, yep. which is yep. exciting. Okay, let's go to our first caller. We have uh, Sharon out in Cheltenham. Good morning, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Uh, look, I was just um, going to tell you, I, I um, sent over to England to get some white nasturtium. Right. Um, now, they've grown, this is the second year, but they're not white, they're cream. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and I thought, oh, that's a bit of a yawn. And I brought some inside. They look actually much nicer inside than in the garden. Right. But what is astounding is my husband noticed it. They've got a really um, beautiful perfume. Oh. They're nothing like the nasturtiums that you normally pick, you know, the, the scent. Yeah. They've got quite a perfume. So uh, uh, presumably you're saying the flowers have the perfume So because the leaves yeah. have quite a strong perfume as well. Yeah, but this is a really sweet yeah. so, non-nasturtium type. Yeah. So perfume. do the leaves still have the true nasturtium smell? Yes, or is it, it just does. the flowers? I tried that last night yeah. okay. before I rang you, which, yeah, it's so, so quite... Interesting. Well, it may well be that whatever they use to breed it to produce the the white thing also emphasised the scent of the flowers. So you know that often happens in in when you're breeding things, you you may unknowingly bring another characteristic along mm, as well as else. as well as getting mm. the the pale the pale flowers. So yeah, yeah. I, I wondered exactly how they would be um, because they wouldn't be doing it. From another plant, would they? They'd be doing it. Uh, look, it depends. Some some breeding can take place through pollination from different plants and growing them out and selecting the, for a particular characteristic, so a paler and paler flower. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll they'll do um, root cultures and and more scientific ways of of doing it. Um, but do we know so, of any um, species of nasturtium tropiolium that is perfumed? I think sometimes I, I I actually think all nasturtium flowers have a faint perfume. Oh, okay. But but they tend to be overtaken by the the scent of, of the, the strength of the yeah. of the leaves and the berries mm. and all that sort of thing. Oh. So that when you brush it, you so that's why I'm thinking that maybe just the breeding process and the selection mm. of the whiteness may have also been selecting for the for what is already a, a faint perfume. And in your vase inside of you, just pick the flowers, or is it a mixture of the leaves and flowers? It's interesting. I only did pick the flowers. Yeah, so you're getting a, a mm. concentrated um, mm. whiff of yeah. them. Yeah, mm. and I brought in one orange one, mm. and it's quite, you know, totally different. Yeah, mm. it's yeah. quite sweet. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's quite. It's very exciting. It's lovely when you discover new things about plants. Yes, isn't and it? It, I'm just amazed how lovely they look in a vase, whereas outside they look a bit. Um, Oh well, why did I bother? Sort of. Yeah, yes. <laughs> are they are they dwarf ones, or, the, or are they spreading normal spreading ones? No, they're they're certainly spreading. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, well, save the seeds and uh, give them to keep, your friends. Keep growing them. Would yeah. that be friends I, of the gardens? <laughs> yes. Oh no, it's oh, all right. It's quite amazing. The other thing is, I've got a tomato seedling in the garden that sprung up in. Well, it's been there since winter, which yep. I've never... I've usually pulled them out, mm. but I've left it this year. Yep. Um, what, what's your prediction? Oh, it'll produce tomatoes. It will. Yeah, look, yeah. it's with the milder weather that we're getting, particularly in suburban gardens, um, p- tomatoes can almost overwinter. I've, yeah. I've been doing it with capsicums for a few years now. Um, oh. If you're not in one of the colder areas like mm-hmm. Kyneton or Eltham. A grafted or, <laughs> capsicum or, or just a normal or capsicum? Just an ordinary capsicum. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I certainly, you know, they're not going to do much during winter, but no. they will hold their own and yeah. then they'll start growing as soon as it warms up in spring. Yeah, that's so, exactly what's happened. Yep, I'd yep. get a stake in there with it. I would um, get ready to start harvesting Give it your a tomatoes feed. before Christmas. Mm. Wow. <laughs> 
given my success with tomatoes, that will see the seeing will be yeah, believed. Yeah, look, if, particularly if it's if it's one of the um, smaller tomatoes, the cherry tomatoes, and they're the ones that tend to self sow most readily. So, I seem to I have a lot of problems with tomatoes in my garden. I don't know why. I always have had. Yep. Um, but the last few years has been better, and they've been self seeded because I actually gave up. I thought this is pointless. Yeah. Uh, and when a few self-seeded come up, I thought, oh, I might as well let them go. But they've been more successful than the mm. ones I used to buy. And then I tried tubs and nothing. Yeah, look, yeah. It, after a while, you can get a, a bit of bacterial build-up in the soil in yeah. your garden. Um, and that particularly that can carry on from one year to the next. And there yeah. are cultivars now that you can buy that are less susceptible to the to the various wilts and things that affect tomatoes. Ah, um, but they they tend to be the F1 hybrid ones that have been specifically bred. Mm. So Lambley sells a, a nice range of some of the more disease-free tomatoes if you're wanting to try. Who are so, they again? Lambley up in up just out of Ballarat, but they do mail order. If you if you L A M B L E Y if you yes. Google them or um, if you if you do a search on the internet, yeah. um, you will you will find them. I actually duck duck go them. That's the. That's the. <laughs> You'll be on the internet all day because the, the photos are beautiful of all yes. these perennials and vegetables. But, but and... they do an interesting range of seeds. Mm. And 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 his um, David Glenn's thing is that we need to look more at F one cultivars because they have mm. disease resistance, and sometimes they are better for home gardeners than yeah. some of the some of the heirlooms which are not as disease resistant. Yeah. I'm not sure that I agree with him because I think. There are some good, really good heirlooms, but um, that's, that's if right. you've been struggling, it's worth trying mm. some of these. He also sells, Mr. Uh, Mr. Glenn from Lamley, sells uh, a lovely range of melon seeds, mm. and we were lucky enough one year to go and taste them at um, harvest yeah. time, and they were the most delicious things, and they're mm. all tiny little things. Uh, so you can grow them in a home garden really easily. Yep. And if he's growing them up there where we have a very cold yeah, winter and so short growing season, mm. uh, well, you can grow them anywhere but virtually. So yep. Yep, really interesting things. Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. And Bye. have fun Bye. with your nasturtiums. And don't forget you can eat them. Uh, no, I'll be, I'll be sick if I eat all mine. <laughs> no, but you can just eat some of them. Yeah, Throw yeah. some of those beautiful white quite... flowers into your salad. Yes. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Next up we have uh, Christine who's in Frankston. Good morning, Christine. Oh, good morning. Um, look, I have uh, two plum trees that are about three to four years old and um, over the last few weeks I've just noticed that um, the tips of the branches, the very end of the, of the tree, um, are wilting and it almost looks like leaf curl that you expect from nectarines or peaches, but I don't really know what's going on. So is it the leaves or the actual new growth, the tips of the new growth? It's the, it's the tips. Okay, so not yeah. it's not the leaves that are curling. The leaves are okay? They're no, no, no. Pretty no normal? It's, 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 it's the leaves. Okay, so the it's the tips of the tips. leaves that are curling. Yes. Okay. Mm. Um, and it's only the new growth that's affected? At the moment, yes, but it seems to... I noticed it just in one tree, mm. um, and um, over the past week it's developed in the other tree as well. Okay. It's one of those yeah. ones that's really hard to, um, without actually being able to see it and know something about the history of the plants. What sort of soil are they in? Uh, 
I suppose it'd probably be a bit clay. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I was going to query drainage, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, that being waterlogged, it's, perhaps. It's, you've, we've got to think about what's happened in the last mm. few months, which yes. has been, it's been really, really wet. Mm. And it may well be that those trees have just had been sitting in too much water in a heavy clay soil that's not draining properly. Yeah. Are they in a low down place in your garden, like where the water might pull? <clears throat> no, not really. No. Not really. Because it's, yeah, it's sandy soils down there. Yeah, but it? if that's yeah, clay, clay yeah, I mean, little we, pocket of clay. Yeah. Mm. Part of my garden, excuse my, I've just got a cold. Um, part of my garden is um, sort of quite sandy in places. Mm. Um, it's probably, but it, it's a real combination, yeah. Um, and this, these trees are near apples. Yep. Apple trees. And um, I've also got. Um, a peach tree very close to it too. So um, those trees are they're not affected at all at the moment. Okay, I I just that sort of um, characteristic at this time of the year suggests to me something like a, a, a root rot or mm. a, um, something that's yeah. happening in the soil. Because it's very unusual for plums yeah. to get anything. They're yeah, usually they're, such a hardy they tree, are. aren't they? Yes. So um, so, um, so I'm not sure that I can be. Much help because there's not an awful lot that you can do. No, Um, cross fingers. Yeah, the only other thing would be: Are you have you been mulching close to the trunk? Is there a chance there's some colorod? No, no. Okay, maybe um, apply a clay breaker. They've got them in liquid forms. You can just stick a bottle onto the end of your hose. Might help, sort of. Might aerate it a little. Yeah, Yeah. um, help it drain a bit better. And the other thing that I always try with anything that's struggling a bit is a bit of um, seaweed mm. extract, yes. just to see if. It, but I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't fertilise it. So because no. that no, just puts no. more stress on it. But some seaweed extract might help. Yeah, maybe um, maybe forking a few holes around the yeah. drip okay. zone or something, yeah. and then yeah. the seaweed or clay breaker as well. Yep. Um, and I mean, it may all correct itself yeah. over time as because soon as it warms up we're and warming dries up, out a bit. And, mm. and this wind is certainly drying the ground out as well. So um, you may find that the whole thing rectifies itself. Okay. Sorry, right. we can't be more help. No worries. It just sort of confirm my suspicion. Yeah. Yep. That being a root problem. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. That number, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155. We've got Penny Woodward, Margot MacDonald and Wendy Henderson in the studio this morning. We'd love to hear from you, 94190155. Margot, you've brought in a whole lot of plants, which I presume you're planning to put into your garden. Yeah, you're lucky this was about to get planted (laughs) yesterday, but we ran out of steam. We had a day off. Um, look, everybody talks about, I mean, hellebore seasons is coming to an end, but everyone usually just talks about the uh, Helleborus orientalis yes. and all the fancy new hybrids. But um, a lot of people just don't know about the other species that are available. And I'm sure Wendy's got a whole lot available at the uh, plant fair next weekend. But uh, the one I brought in I love because it's big and bold and um, a lot of people don't know it's a hellebore. And it's been flowering for months and months. It's one called Helleborus sternii, and it is, um, I think it's sort of architectural. And it will get up to about 80 centimetres tall, so that's quite big tall for a hellebore. Yep. Um, And it's got three leaflets on each um, stem, and each one is long and pointy. It's probably about 15 centimetres each. 
with very serrated edges, which look sharp, but they're not. They're nice and soft. And even the, on the leaf, it's sort of marbled, and they go leathery after a while. But oh, it's just such a handsome plant. I wouldn't it say certainly it's, is. it's not pretty. Um, but it's very handsome. And, um, I think the flowers are pretty, pretty. Yeah, the flowers are great. They, when they first come out, they're all different sort of ranges of purples and mm. sort of slightly red winey colours, but they've, they've turned into their green look now and pale green and with the seed pods on them, so they'll sort of self-sow a bit and um, just a very handsome filler for the shade garden. Mm. So have a look at your other ones. Wendy, what other ones have you got for sale uh, coming we, up? Oh, we have quite a few, actually. I've had to look up my, uh, <laughs> my catalogue because there's so many. Um, we do have some, some beautiful marbled one, in particular Helleborus niger, which is obviously a species, uh, but it's a marble-leafed form, and it, it's really pretty. It's this strong networking of, of uh, contrasting creams and, and greens. So that's really lovely. Um, we've also got uh, different sorts of fetidus, which is... Great name. Yes, yes, it really <laughs> smells, unfortunately, so yeah. don't plant it anywhere near your brush past it, I think. Mm. Um, but the, the fetidus, sorry to interrupt, but that sure. also grows very tall. It does, it does. It, it, it has... Um, I was just looking at, at your beautiful plant and the flowers are really... The, the, the inflorescence is, is fairly low to the ground mm. with that one, but with fetidus it gets up quite high mm. uh, and it grows up in these sort of canes with the flowers on the top and then if you cut those off, the, the new growth will come from below. Mm. So, so multiple planting for those because they, yes, they yes. stand like sentinels. They really, don't do they? and they, they seed um, with gay abandon which some people find problematic, but I don't. I just love well, finding them all It's over snail those. caviar, so they won't <laughs> complain. Uh, and they have very – they almost look like hash, actually. They've got these really serrated, very thin palmate leaves, which are really, really pretty even even without the flowers. Um, so that's that's lovely. We've got two different sorts of, of fetidus. The, the, the one thing that I don't think people realise about fetidus, most people don't, I'm sure everyone here does, is that um, it's um, not only does it smell fetid, but it has some sort of a chemical in it. And I once got it under a fingernail and it just burnt <gasps> all oh. my skin under my fingernail. Really? From the juice, yes. Okay. And so it, they're, so be careful. Yeah, hellebores generally uh, are quite poisonous, so don't let the children near them. Um, if they're going to eat them, most children wouldn't do that. Uh, we've got sternii, cross sternii, um, ashwood strain, which is a really, really beautiful one too. And we've got the, some really lovely doubles and, and uh, a glorious single one that is um, green uh, with, with um, what was it? Green with red spots, I think. Oh, lovely. Yeah. In the foliage? No, in, oh, the, the, flower. in the flower. Mm. In the flower, yeah. So, yes, we've got some lovely. But can I just say with these tomatoes you were talking about, we've just been given, uh, I just remember, um, very recently, and I think they've come from the guard, the children's garden, not the children's garden, the the uh, vegetable garden next to the children's garden in the botanic gardens, they usually give us their leftover seedlings. Oh, great. And so what we have is, hold on, is things like 
Jean Flamme. Mm, well, right. that's a good one for the cold. Yeah. Yep. Oh, is it? Yep. Right. It's a, it's a lovely orange. Yes, good. You all know this. Yeah, and gorgeous. And Principe Borghese. Mm. Yeah. Oh, beautifully I'm said. I'm the Italian here. <laughs> so that's obviously Italian. Uh, and uh, other ones that are, you know, one's called Legend, another is called Tiny Tim. So um, those are basically the ones. But, um, yes, they're heirlooms and uh, mm. they're always interesting and we get different ones every year from the gardens. They never plant the same ones twice. So it's always interesting. Mm. Mm. Wendy, um, I, I know we've been talking a lot about the, the plant fair next weekend at Melbourne, but we yes. shouldn't leave out your sister garden down at Cranbourne because the friends of uh, the Botanic Gardens or the growing friends at Cranbourne have also got a plant sale. So for people who live down that way who can't get up to the Melbourne Gardens next weekend, um, Cranbourne uh, do also have a plant sale covering both next Saturday and Sunday and they've got a wide range of Australian plants in tubes and larger pots uh, Priced from three dollars onwards, so uh, and that's ten to four on both days, the same as Melbourne. So, if people specifically want um, Australian native plants and can't get up to Melbourne Botanic Gardens, Cranbourne are, yeah. are doing the same thing in conjunction with you. So that's yeah, no, and it's excellent. They they have wonderful plants down there, and they've got very dedicated volunteers as well. So no, they they would have a much wider variety of Australian natives probably than, yes. than we have here. But we ours are not shabby either. No, I'm sure they're not. <laughs> you could actually go to one on Saturday and the other on you Sunday. You could. You could support both gardens. Yes. Why not? Sounds like a plan. And and your garden would benefit. Yes, yes absolutely. Totally. Okay, let's go next to, uh, let me see, we have uh, Jill out in East Malvern. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Pam, Penny, Margo and... Wendy. Good morning. Wendy, yep, I'm whoever. Um, I've just planted um, an indigenous edible garden at my school mm. at Oakley and um, yes ruby salt bush and Tasmanian um, pepper and uh, the small lily pilly because I didn't want the big one and um, all the um, anasata from the um, I've got I've got the, the lemon one the backhousia Backhousey, yeah, I couldn't think of the name for a second. That's all right, I forget. And, um, <laughs> you know, quite a lot of them, chocolate lily and carpo brotus. And, sounds wonderful, Jill. Um, and we've planted them so they get east and north um, sun. But because it's over the summer, we haven't planted them getting the westerly sun because we just think, you know, the six weeks, five six weeks of holidays, even though a parent does come in and water the garden. I was um, daring it a bit much. Anyway, um, I've done a lot of reading and I can only really find um, Acacia Victoriae as the edible wattle seed. And there was a warning that a lot of the wattle seeds are poisonous. I'm wondering if you know of any other, because I was going to get, you know, two or three wattle trees. Um, The book by Pam, you might need to help me with this. Um, What's his name? John... John Norton, no, Norton's no. not the right name. About about edible um, Australian plants. It's a fairly recent release. You, mm, I've got no, I don't, I'm not familiar with. Okay, it. I, I might need to might need to find that one out. Um, I've look, got one of their Scots. Um, yeah, no, there's a there's been a, a few new books about about ed, edible Australian plants in the in mm-hmm. and plants that have been 
both farmed and used by um, Aboriginal people. Um, and I, I know that there are at the moment only a few wattles that are recommended. And I think, although um, they're some of the others are, they're not strictly poisonous, but they're quite high, very high in tannins, so they're they're really yeah. not not edible. Um, no. But anyway, I'll have. I'll I think have there's a... a bit of experimentation still going on. Uh, but Jill, I'll get you the um, the name of this book and and get it to you. Um, oh, get okay. you get you the information Thanks. about it because he actually lists some of the bottles that are actually being used in in um, in oh, restaurants yes, and things at the moment. I've yet to contact John Newton, who who has her own business, you know, yeah. in Malvern, and I've I've yeah. met her on the phone. So and Karen Sutherland would be the other one who would know yeah. she's been doing a lot of work with Australian yes. native well, plants. Yes, well, I bought the plants at Ceres. Yeah, and. Um, Yes, the, the maintenance man is mad keen on gardening too. So yeah. there's two of us out of forty staff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's John Newton is the is the author's name. Of John the book. Newton. Yeah. So look is that him up. N e w n e w t o n. Oh, yeah. that's fine. And um, uh, can I just say that New Twelve Foods next year includes um, subsistence foods. Yep. And recommends Aboriginal food. So that's how I got the idea to do it. Fantastic. Because Karen had come and spoken to the Herb Society, you know, in, in last yeah. year in, in June, or this year in June. And, of course, I'm going I'm to ask a few people to come and, and uh, find out who the local elders are and have an opening of the garden when it's looking resplendent. Good on you, Jill. That's great. Uh, um, and I've just been pretending to be a young person and looked up my phone. It's impressive. <laughs> I know. I'm watching you. Because I remember last time everyone, you know, the young kids were on their phone the whole time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So did you things. Google it? Oh, I, I, well, I, apparently. But uh, <laughs> I did find out that the Australian Native Plant Society have got an article on edible acacias. Oh, if that's fantastic. any help. So you can look up Australian Native Plant Society. Yes, I can do that. Well done. That's as far as I that just, goes. I can just tell you, Margot, when students of mine are on the phone, when they're not supposed to be, I say, I don't want any phony students in here, thank you. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> that's a losing battle, I'm afraid. Um, oh, no, not always. In class, <laughs> I don't think it is. I think you just take them away. Anyway, hopefully that helps, Jill. Newton and uh, Native Plants Society. Yes. yes. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. Well, I'm delighted to say that online we have Rex Shields. Good morning, Rex. Good morning, Pam. And uh, I'm sure that some of our uh, regular listeners might remember your many contributions to yeah, 3CR I, Gardening Show. I haven't rung in there for years. You I don't haven't? Know why. I don't know why. Well, I do because you've taken on even more now. You're now officially president of Fernie Creek Horticultural yes, Society. King, king of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. there's a bevy of ladies in there this morning. Yes, yes. Margot from Kyneton. Has Margot still got a nursery at Kyneton? Uh, I've just sold it, I'm afraid. Just retired. Retiring. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> you don't retire, you just keep going. No, that's right. I'm just doing something else. <laughs> mm. Now, yes, obviously, Rex, we, we wanted to talk to you because uh, Fernie Creek have also got their big, uh, their big flower festival on next weekend. Oh, look, but, but really, everyone's got everything on every weekend now, haven't they? Well, it's they? springtime. Yeah, that's no, that's the problem. I thought to the, the Botanical Gardens lady brought back memories of Lydia. All oh, right. And, oh, uh, yes. I remember Lydia well. Everyone <laughs> remembers Lydia. Yes. Everyone remembers Lydia. I thought, gee, they've got plant stalls at Melbourne and at Cranbourne and uh, 
What are we going to do? There won't be anyone up there. <laughs> we'll have people there. I'm sure you will. Yes. No, we've got, we'll have a good show next weekend, and uh, despite all the inclement weather we've been going through recently, and uh, I think it'll be great. Well, tell us a bit about what you are going to have, Rex. Well, this time of the year, it's mostly rhododendron-type plants and the later deciduous blossoms, etc. and then there's, um, there'll be lots of hostas, I assume, in pots and other potted stuff, and then there'll be the Australian native section, and, uh, oh, look, it just becomes... Um, a collection of all sorts of goodies. Excellent. You know, we and uh, we have a pretty good membership, and they they do a good job putting exhibits in and so forth. And uh, we could do with more. And uh, but that's the way of way things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the garden's looking great. We've been, as you well know, and, and some listeners might know, we've we've got a four hectare garden up there, which we tend to ourselves, and uh, it's. Uh, a lot of hard work, but a lot of good work, good fun work. And, uh, we have two working bees every every week and get up there and pot around and try and do as much as we can. Oh, it's a, it's a wonderful garden. It really is. And you're going to have some guided walks there next weekend too. guided walks, depending on the weather, of course. But we've yes. got two or three people who are very, very... Uh, uh, Know what know what's going on in the garden, and they know where where everything is. Some of us mightn't even know where everything is. <laughs> well, you've got a wonderful collection of little alpine plants yes, as well, we don't have. you? That you really only, need someone to point to out. Otto, our friend Otto. Yeah, and uh, we've got a fantastic group who do propagation, and we've got a fantastic group who do the more more inter- not not necessarily interesting things, um, rarer things. Mm. And we have we have two plant stores now. The <laughs> The collectibles and the just the, the basics. Okay. And, and what else do we have? Well, you've got a photographic display. What's that pho- about? We've got a photographic group now as well. Right. So, uh, yes, there's a very enthusiastic little band of people there who rush around with their cameras taking photos and they go off site and go all over the place on their little group uh, trips to get all sorts of photos. And, Wonderful. Uh, we have our, of course, we have our uh, ladies doing the teas and things like that. And oh, you, you, you have to have it. You have to have a sausage scones sizzle. And, and, scones and yeah, all that sort of sandwiches thing. and little points. And Lovely. Uh, cut flower stall, great cut flower stall. And we have a craft stall at this particular show. There's a, another group who work out all their craft stuff. They'll probably have stuff for Christmas and that sort of thing, which is becoming uh, almost on, upon us, isn't it? The dreaded Christmas <laughs> commercialism. Mm, yes, Christmas. yes. <laughs> and um, look, it's a uh, it's a great place. It really is. Oh, it's, absolutely! Uh, and of course, it's always a wonderful place to visit the garden there and have a picnic yeah. on yes. a lovely day. That's another thing, we've got a few seats dotted around the place. We've got the pond now, of course, or two ponds. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it must be so lush. Yes, the weather, water, water everywhere. Mm, absolutely. Now, tell us the times, Rex. Oh yes. Now, uh, Saturday it's twelve till four, and on Sunday it's. Ten till four. Okay. And that's a five dollar entry, which we've had for many, many years. We haven't changed it. Yes. And I might add that all the money we take at that show, we don't get outside help. It all goes back into the garden and equipment and so forth. So uh, we're not not for profit, as you could say. Absolutely. Yes. Um, parking is within the garden, and we also have some disabled spots near the hall for those who need, might need it. Right. And. Uh, and just remind listeners how to get there because it is a little bit tricky, it isn't it? It can be it's... a bit tricky. There'll be signs on the roadside. Actually, some rat bags pinched a couple of our signs. Oh, goodness show. me. Yeah. But it's the, uh, what's the name of the street? 
Hilton Road. Hilton Road. No, Hilton Road, yes, you know more than I do. <laughs> Hilton Road East, we're behind the Ferny Creek Reserve, and you, you can either come along Mount Dandy Tourist Road to Clarkmont Road if you're coming from the Montrose side of the mountain, or if you're coming up the Furniture Gully side, you come up to the Sherbrooke Callista Road and turn in there. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I can't remember the Melway's number. Uh, it's 66E12, Rex. Right, yes. But you're quite right, Pam. It is a little bit tricky if you've never been there before. That's right. But, uh, but we'll find them. Well, they'll find us. They'll find you. If they yeah. want to get there, they'll get there, I'm sure, Rex. Oh, they will, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, all the best with it. I know it's always you, you do put on a really wonderful um, flower show, yeah. and um, I'm sure next weekend it's going to be no exception. I hope so. Well, look, thanks very much for having me on, Pam. It's much appreciated. Oh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you again, Rex. Good on you. Okay. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Right, next up we have uh, Hugh, who's in the Yarra Valley. Good morning, Hugh. Uh, good morning, panel. Uh, good morning, Victoria. Um, I'm, I'm quite upset about a few things. Um, uh, first of all, I want to say that I'm a member of the Friends, and I support all the, this, their plant sales there. Um, but there is constantly this threat that they will put their publications or their newsletters and all that sort of thing on on electronic mail so, uh, um, via computer. And uh, I, I just don't like that at all. And uh, when I hear that sort of thing, I get all electric because um, I, I, I like to go to bed and read something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I need the hard copies, uh, so to speak. And... Um, and then I can in detail read it, and I can take my magnifying glass, and I can take my special reading glasses, and, and, and then I, um, I can study it at my leisure. I don't want to sit in front of a computer and all that sort of thing. And that is number one, and that's not just applying to, to, the, to the friends where I hear there is this threat. Uh, I, it, it is also um, with other um, organizations where I belong to. And I, I just leave these organizations because uh, it's no good sending me a newsletter uh, or, or, which I can't read. And then I, I get it in, in hard copy, but then I get it in black and white in some cases. So that makes me upset. And, and it's not the criticism just only to the um, friends of uh, or the people who run the friends organizations of the Botanic Garden. It is just for everybody to, they, uh, it, uh, all the garden clubs, there's most members in garden clubs where I go to or horticultural societies, and I, it's not just one or two. They're all people in their 70s, in their 80s, in their 90s. And uh, we have other problems than um, the people who perhaps live in the city with their computers in, in, in just flats. And the other thing I have is I have a publication here from the Friends, which bought a while back, which is 22 major plant collections of the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. And there is a drawing. Are you still hearing me? Yes, yes. we're listening. Yeah. Um, I ha- and there is a drawing of the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne, and all the gates. And uh, I, so to, I have a little truck. I don't have a car. So where did, which gate do I go to? Uh, did I miss it this morning? 
Uh, are you talking about the plant sale next uh, weekend? Yes, because Hugh? it used to be E gay, yes. E for easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, now is it F gay? No, it's not a gate at all. It's it's outside the botanic garden, so it doesn't have um, a designated gate number letter. Uh, it's in the um, observatory precinct, which is directly opposite the shrine. So you go past. Um, e gate and you go past F gate towards the shrine. Uh, F gate is where the herbarium is. And yes. You just keep going, and it, it there's a sort of a serpentine. It it go it it curves around. Yes, sort of in a, right. I can see this on my drawing. Oh, okay. So it's right there um, where where the the road. Oh, so is it also to say it is opposite visitor center national herbarium? Or a bit further. It's a little bit no, further past. Further. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's 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 on as you're going towards the shrine yes. um, from E Gate. It's on the right hand side. So it's it's in where Cafe Tan and those sort of little observatory and the bookshop and the, and, and yeah the, the gift shop the and gift shop. and that sort of place. And uh, so it's right there. You'll be able to see it because we will be right on where the old tan was. We'll be right on the border there. Um, so I, 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 I assure you, uh, also, I, I, I don't want to be grizzled, but at, at the same time, I just want to say it is a mistake to have these people there um, from outside organization other than the Botanic Gardens, right? Um, because we had the chance at Caulfield at race course, and it was well supported and so on and so forth, and they torpedoed that, you know, and it, it would have been a very, very nice setup for rare plant, uh, uh, for rare plant uh, growers and so on and so forth. Now they they hopping on on the botanic garden, and as as far as my my little self is concerned, I will not buy a single plant of them. All my my purchases, as usual, will come from the friends. Oh, thank you so much, Hugh. You know, we really and, uh, appreciate that. I think that. it is a terrible, greedy move, if I can call it that way. And please prove me wrong. But I think it is a, it's a, it is greedy to to have these rare plant people there. We had the chance there, or they had the chance there in 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 Caulfield. It was fantastic. You come out of the railway station, you hop across the road, and bingo, you were in 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 Caulfield Racecourse. Plenty of room, plenty of parking. No hassle at all. No, no, no. They didn't want that. And now they hop on onto the friends. And why the why we are no longer at E Gate? I I am terribly upset. Yes, it, it it is disappointing. We're we're disappointed too. But um, they've they've redeveloped. Uh, that site that we used to use, uh, and and to be fair, after two days of thousands and thousands of feet, it got fairly trampled there, and I think the gardens might have been uh, found it a little hard to to rehabilitate it. So um, it it has been redeveloped into a space where there isn't enough room for us, and and that's that's fine. So we just need to find somewhere else, and maybe somewhere that's probably yeah, even well, better. Yeah. Maybe a bit more room. Yeah, lady, it's a beautiful Sunday, and I don't want to argue with you, but they get quite a bit of money out of us. I, I, I spend around seven hundred, eight hundred dollars there. Okay, now, okay, so we trampled a little bit around in that particular corner there at E Gate. Yes, 
but at the same time they should be grateful they get all this money and they should even make it easier for us at eGate rather than to say that we trampled on it uh, when i heard it at the last sale that it perhaps is the last one at eGate I, I i i couldn't understand it then the toilet was there the toilet block is there and it's, i assure you for people in the 70s and 80s ask any bus driver when you go for a bus tour he will stop here, there, and everywhere because there's a toilet block. There's actually two toilets at the new location, so two. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's lots more access to yeah. lose, and it's yeah. a, it's a smooth tarmac area where it won't do any damage to to the gardens. Yeah. Okay. Well, we uh, we will never agree. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Now it comes um, that you can help me, please. No. You wanted to ask about clavia seeds. Uh, yes, my yeah. clavia seeds. Well, what happens is I have, um, in the past, I have got, I made it happen that uh, my clavia did grow, but I can't remember how I did it. And I got a clavia book, but it doesn't say anything about the seeds. So can anybody please refresh my my memory how I did it? I got some seeds... Um, very, very big of uh, big seeds. Oh gosh, they're probably two centimeters or so twenty millimeters in diameter and bigger. And I got others from other plants, and they're a lot smaller. Uh, and so, anybody, please come to the rescue. What What are you actually asking? You're asking how to germinate clavia seeds. How to germinate? Didn't I put them into warm water overnight, or? I I don't know Hugh, um, but um, I'm I'm not a uh, clavia expert in any way or clavia after clive of India, but uh, I say clavia because. Mm, um, but uh, we do have, as usual, um, a lot of clavias up for sale, and our girls that they haven't actually propagated them themselves, but they may have an idea. If we're going to see you next weekend. Go to the Clivia girls and ask them. Uh, they more than anyone else will will know what what to do. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know the Clivia girls because um, I purchased some plants of them last last time I was there. Excellent. Well, have a good chat to them next weekend, Hugh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But thanks for. I'm, I'm sorry, Pam, for have for being on the soapbox there, but um, I feel very strongly about it. You know. That's fair enough. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Hugh. Bye. We are running through until 9.15, our usual time slot, so you still have time if you want to jump on the phones and give us a call, 94190155. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. This morning we have Penny Woodward, Margot MacDonald and Wendy Henderson in the studio, so we'd love to hear from you, 94190155. Penny. Hi, Pam. Um, we've got a new edition of Organic Gardener is out on the stands. This is the time of year where we have two quick ones because of some brainy person who decided we needed an extra you issue You needed to do more year. work. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so um, it's, it's got a lovely watermelon on the front cover and it actually has a good article about watermelons and some of the cold climate ones oh, that there we you go. can grow. Mm. So, um, so I think that's really good. Uh, Justin's got a nice article about capsicums and um, some of the photos are beautiful. Kirsten Bresciani, who's been taking some of the photos for the magazine, is a great Victorian photographer and um, we did a couple of long photo shoots at various places and some of those photos are in this issue, which is nice. Um, I've written about tackling weeds. 
um, all the different ways from from some new weedicides that are coming onto the market to flame throwers to fantastic to yeah. all sorts of because um, we um, really need it this season weed, weed gunnel <laughs> and all sorts mm. of different um, things that you can use for weeds. Um, admittedly, I still just get down on my hands and knees yeah. and pull most of them out and use them as mulch and see them as a resource rather than a than a problem. But um, yeah, so lots of lot, I've I've written about that and. Um, it's a special issue about um, small farmers. So there's a couple of issues mm. there. If you're someone who's thinking about growing a bit more than just for yourself, then it would be a really good one. We are, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's good for that. And Karen has written a lovely article about planting a summer border, so a hot summer border. So if you're looking for some bright colour in your garden. So I, it's a nice issue. Excellent. Thanks, Excellent. <laughs> now, you've also brought in uh, some bits and pieces there. Well, oh, we've got a chance to talk about I just about did them. a quick wander last night, so they're a bit droopy. But um, there's just... The I listeners just, won't know yeah. that. No, they won't. <laughs> 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 know, There's beautifully just hand And they won't be able to smell them either. No. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with one that isn't all that smelly, but it's one of my favourite herbs, actually, and it's sorrel. So it has a really nice lemony flavour. Um, this one is garden is garden sorrel. It's as tough as old boots. Mm. You can pick leaves from it right through the right through summer, um, and it, it it just you don't want to use too much of it because it's quite high in oxalic acid. So it's one of those things, particularly if you suffer from um, rheumatism, it's not a good idea to eat too much. But uh, it's a really nice ingredient, for instance, if you're making egg, egg sandwiches. Oh, so yes. So you Liven chop a little up. bit up and just and and just steam it briefly, and put it in, mix it in with the eggs, and it has this piquant lemon flavour. Beautiful, to even nice really. with the potato salads and yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, and so I I chop it up and just put it into salads, ordinary salads, in small amounts. So you have to time. cook it first. No, no, don't steam no, no, it. No, eat just it, put eat it in it fresh. Um, I yeah. just say cook it for the. Um, for the sandwiches because it sort of reduces it down and you can mix it better through oh, the Oh, I see, to soften so, the leaf. To soften it a yeah. bit more. But you could just put it in fresh if you mm. wanted to as long as you chopped it finely. So that's a great plant. Um, I've got some different sages here and I noticed that you've brought yeah. in the sage as well. Talk. Yes. But um, I've the, one of the ones I've got here is the um, purple sage or purple leaf sage. So these are all Selvia officinalis but they're different cultivars of sel- mm. Selvia officinalis. So this one has beautiful deep purple leaves and um, and purple darker purple flowers as well. It's the one that I turn to to use medicinally because of the high because it's purple. It's high, higher in anthocyanins than oh, the okay. other ones. So if I've got a sore throat happening or I just want a cup of sage tea, I tend to use the the purple leaf form. But the but the grey leaf form is good too. So yeah. that's fine. I've also got one that is a golden variegated one. And as regular listeners will know, I'm not a big I don't really like variegated plants, but this is a really nice variegation. So it doesn't make the plant look sick. It just makes it look really interesting. So it, uh, at the moment it's quite um, almost sort of limey green with the grey-green in the middle. Um, but as the as it gets hotter and it gets more sunlight, it goes a much more yellow Yeah, green, so a lot of the stronger. yellowish plants yeah, do yeah. that. But, um, but this one doesn't mm. flower, so it's actually quite a good one for having a mounding, maintaining its shape. Well, it's funny you should say that because I, I brought yeah. this tricoloured sage in yep. specifically to talk about their use in the garden, apart yep. from um, the just the kitchen. The tricoloured sage is smaller. 
grows as a slightly smaller plant. Yeah, I've got one about 40 centimetres, yeah. big, well, a row of yeah. them, in between sort of dark red mm. roses and um, mm. I'm just finding really lifts yeah. the area. Good combination. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and rosemary hedgy sort so of thing at the back. it's got this sort of purpley um, tips and centre to some of the leaves and then it's got the grey but it's also got um, creamy colours around the edges. It's a really pretty sage. That one. Yeah, beautiful. Well, they all are. And this... Um, Golden, what did you get? The golden, golden sage, yeah. yeah. I've got a couple of clumps of that in yeah. a, an area on a like a rockery going mm. up a hill, mm. and I've chosen to put in um, a low maintenance plants because it's yeah. not somewhere you want to see aging to be, yep. you know, yep. mountain goating around too much. But um, I've ended up using a lot of my yellow plants that didn't mm. sell. Okay. Um, and this has been fantastic. Yep. All the sage is just yep. terrific, and I've been using the purple ones and yep. the green and ones. They, they just can terrific. all be. All of these can be used in cooking, so they yeah. still maintain the strong sage. Even this one that doesn't yep. flower. Yes, they're yep. all culinary. Yeah, the, they're all culinary. Well, well and the, we ac- sorry, go on. Oh, we actually have the, these. At, uh, we will have them at our sale. We have perpurasins, which you've got there, and variegata. Which you've got there, but we also have bear garden. Oh yeah, the, which broad, is the, large the big leaf. broad-leafed yeah. grey, grey leaf yeah. sage. Yeah, yeah, that's a lovely sage. It is. Although I have found that that one suffers a bit more from the fungal the problems, mildew. The, the mildew, the, yeah, because of the does. bigger leaf. But yeah. if you're in a good dry climate, yeah, it would be you fabulous. don't want it to get yep. it wet. Yeah, yep. yep. So we've got three out of four okay. of these. Yeah, mm, good, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's uh, go on to a couple of our callers. We've Firstly, we have uh, Kim, who's out in Reservoir. Good morning, Kim. Yeah, good morning, Pam and Pamela. How are you? Good. good. Well, thanks. That's good. Um, I've got a real, probably a real novice problem. Um, I planted a whole lot of seeds back, um, it was around about Father's Day, um, put them in nice little trays, put them in the kitchen. One was in a little warming tray and they were sitting in there. And they pretty well all germinated, so I was really happy with that. But literally, I went to work one day, came back that night, and I had these, like, oh, they just they just shot up. Like, I didn't get any more leaves. I only got the first two leaves that came out, and then they just seemed to have, they almost became, like, giants. Like, my lettuces looked like they could have been corn. That's how high up they shot, mm. and I didn't get any more leaf development. And I just wondered what went wrong, because they just sort of went really leggy. What did what mix did you put them in? Um, oh, it was in a mixture of mixes. It was um, really good seed raising mix because we'd had some at work, mm. and um, it was all fresh and new. It was like you know one of your good good brands. Yeah, no, I was just um, interested because if you put them in potting mix with fertiliser, that will encourage them to sort of grow up really rapidly rather ah. than a seed-raising mix. You really don't want fertiliser in with your seeds. Okay. So that can create a problem. Um, if you give them too much direct light, you can have them reaching up for the for the light. So if you depend depending on the position, I always put mine in a shady uh-huh. position, my seed. Um, one of the one of the tricks of trying to keep them small is actually brushing the seedlings with your fingers, and that oh. actually helps to stop them from getting really? too leggy. Yes, wow. you've got to do it on a you know every day. Yeah. But I, I think it'll be a it'll be a light thing for you. Well, I, they, were, they were sitting on my kit um, in the in the kitchen on the yeah. table, so they just sort of had you know your ambient light of the kitchen and yeah. a little bit that comes in through one window, mm. um, and they just. Like, it was just unbelievable. They just shot up. Shot up. Mm-hmm. So what's happening with them now? Um, they sort of ended up in the garden. Not not a planted. I just sort of put a whole lot in because they just 
they were too big to. Yeah. Um, Have they flowered? No, no. They only ever got two leaves. And if I mm. thinking back to um, just one of the zucchinis that I had, it would have been at least um, ten, fifteen centimeters of stalk. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So I think uh, look, there's something I, it, really wrong there. Was it a particularly warm day? The day that you that they you got got home from work and. Um, no, not really. I think they were just, um, you know, they were yeah. just, just... When they're elongated... I mean, it could have been because I know it was cool and yeah. I know I have had I had, had the central heating on at night. Mm. Um, so and some friends had done the same thing with the same seeds and they've had really good success rates, mm. but they've left theirs outside. And I just think, you know, those yeah. little mini greenhouses you get from one of the yep. supermarkets? And um, they've have gone fine, but maybe I don't know because my room with the central heating. So I, they were... I just think you've had too much warmth. Okay. And and they've just they've just shot away, you know, in, you know, looking looking for light, looking for and but you know once they're planted in the garden, they should have they should have settled down after okay. a while. Yeah, they sort of didn't. They just went a bit crazy. <laughs> okay. It's been really sad. Actually. Yeah, it's. I'm going to plant some more. Yeah. So what sort of just put them outside this time? Not Absolutely. Inside? Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and and by all means, put a put a cover over the top to get them started. But yep. once they're growing well, they don't need that cover. Okay. And don't put them in into direct light. They need right. dappled light. Okay. Um. And and don't leave them in the punnets for too long. You need to plant them out. Yeah. And okay. if they're if they're things like tomatoes and they've got a bit leggy, you can actually plant them much deeper in yep. the ground over the first leaves if you've got some second leaf secondary leaf development. Okay. Well, I'll give it another go. Good luck. It's look. It's once you get it right, mm. it's growing things from seed is a wonderful, really yeah. exciting. Well, thing it was so to exciting do. when they germinated. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it it's just nice. like, hang on a minute, what's happening? And yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Thank you very much for that. Thank okay. You. Bye. Bye. And now we're going to Elaine, who's out in Burwood. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, all. <clears throat> I have several lovely fuchsias ready to flower now with beautiful buds and everything but the uh, some of the underneath leaves are turning yellow with black spots on them yeah i think it's just the season the water i uh, waterlogged a bit what's no your... i'd say no no okay but they uh, uh only what's come today and and uh, previously the last few weeks of course um, some of my garden is absolutely a mud heap and it squelches under my feet and I walk. Is that causing an, these leaves to go yellow and spotty? It will be. You'll it, you'll have a you'll have a fungal problem there. I'd be I'd be removing the lower leaves. Um, and I think oh, well, I pick them off every two yep. or three days. I yes. go around with a plastic bag and yep. then put it in my bin with a red lid. Yep. And look, as soon as the weather starts warming up and the rain eases off, you it they will be fine. Fuchsias mm. are tough, and they'll harden up. Yep. Once we get the warmer weather. Yep. Yes, because any that drop, I pick them up. Yeah, you're doing yep. exactly yeah, the right thing. Yeah. Totally the right thing. Oh, thank you. Okay. I'll just cross my fingers for better weather. Yeah, I think you'll find they'll come good. I mean, they are, as Margot said, they're a very tough plant. So. Yes, but they just look so beautiful at the moment. Great. And, uh, hmm. Look, the only other thing you could try would be one of the um, potassium bicarbonate sprays, like the Echo Organic mm. fungicide, which is just a something that you put on the surface of the leaves that changes the pH and makes the um, fungi less likely to grow. 
So if you're concerned about it, if you find you're removing too many leaves, um, you could you could have a look for one of those. But I wouldn't use any of the other fungicides. Well, I counted them the other day when I walked around. I've got three bushes and they're nearly five foot all five foot tall. Yeah. And put spread your arms out around them. You would luckily yep. to get your arms around them. Um, and I counted fifty leaves that I took off. <laughs> yeah, but if they're big plants, that's yeah. that's not that's too fine. bad, really. Yeah. But yeah. as I said, yeah. if you're concerned, I think they'll cu- they'll be fine and they'll come good. Yeah. But if you're concerned, you could use you could try one of the um, potassium bicarbonate sprays. Thank you. Okay. Good. Bye. Thanks, ladies. Bye. Bye, Elaine. Margo, uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> It is beautiful. <laughs> Tell listeners about it. Well, I just thought before we finish that, you know, it won't look like this next time I'm here. Yeah, no. um, this is a very unusual plant, which I've been looking for a spot to grow it for years and never quite had the right spot. You know it, Wendy? No, I don't no. actually. It's Leucotho um, fontanesiana. Um, if you ever see it in a nursery, it's so rare. Uh, you'll probably see one with sort of a pink on the leaves, like a variegation, which I don't like. Uh, this is just the plain green one, and this is um, a dwarf form of it. So this will only get to 50 centimetres high, but the the real one will get up to two metres. Requires a really shady spot, glossy green leaves, and it sort of has arching growth. So it will come up, grow up, and then sort of f- fly out over. You in can't see form. Margot. She <laughs> keeps waving her arms around showing us what this plant does. I'm not very good at describing it but um, it has got a lovely form and then in late or early spring it, it shows off with these gorgeous flowers and there are racemes of white bell-shaped flowers that go all along each stem from last year's growth um, and then they open out and hang down about oh, no, 10-15 centimetres so it's just a picture. Yeah, um, I gorgeous. do notice being so close to it, it doesn't smell particularly nice yet, but <laughs> it will. Um, and oh, they are scented once they're fully They open. are a little bit scented, yeah. 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 But it's finding the right spot. If it gets sun, it just seems to um, frazzle up a little bit. So um been a bit mm. hard. There's some new growth that's got a bit frazzle. scorched there. But yeah. in this new garden I'm building, funnily enough, I've just found the right spot. I've had this sitting on the ground where nothing else I couldn't think of anything else to grow there because the uh, drip comes out from the hot water service. So it's always a bit damp. And that's exactly what this likes. comes from the swamps of uh, Florida, Louisiana and so forth. So it does require... Yeah, and it's got the wonderful name, common name of Dog Hobble. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know what that relates to, but anyway. Americans. Yeah, I think the only place, if you were interested in trying it, it would be um, your minor rare plants in the Dandenongs, you mean it? Okay. Um, And that's where I got this one from a few years ago. um, It's glorious. Yeah, so Leucotho Fontanesiano. If you want me to spell that, it's L-E-U-C-O, so Leuco, T-H-O-E, and then Fontanesiana, F-O-N-T-A-N-E-S-O. I-A-N-A. Um, and can I just mention that Yamina Rare Plants will actually be at the plant fair next weekend oh, at the Botanic very good. Gardens. There you go. So yeah. ask so for a Lukotho. Yes, you could ask them. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Um, something I want to quickly mention uh, that's come to my attention. Uh, Penny, I'm sure you'd be interested in this one. Um, little Veggie Patch Company, which um, most of us mm. in here um, are familiar with, um, have actually... Um, 
joined up with uh, a grower, a Yarra Valley-based uh, grower of organic edible flowers and leaves called um, Petite Ingredient, and they're trying to encourage people, much like uh, the the meat movement of eating nose to tail and mm. using the whole mm. animal, they're trying to encourage the same thing with, with edible plants, mm. and they've they've called it root to bloom eating okay. <laughs> <laughs> look it's it's funny isn't it how something that you've been doing for years and years and years yourself anyway, yes suddenly so it's actually trendy. Off. but i yes. think it's yes. i think it's really important yeah. at the oh, same of course. time but i you know i eat every bit of every plant that i can possibly eat absolutely um, so and yeah and i think that being able to to for people to learn that you can you can eat not always the roots but sometimes the roots but if you can eat the leaves, you can eat the flowers, you can eat the seeds usually as well. That's not always true. But um, an edible plant is an edible plant. Absolutely. Mm. Yes, yeah. yeah. But at least at least this is bringing people's attention Absolutely. to the yeah. fact. It's great. And it's also um, making them aware a bit more of what, what flowers mm. are edible. Mm. Um, so uh, Petite, uh, well, the, the, the two of them, um, are releasing a, an edible seed range to get people mm. started if they haven't been growing and using uh, their flowers. So that, that range includes things like um, anise hyssop, uh, calendula, which most uh, veggie gardeners know about, cornflower, viola, which is mm. another one that's been used over the, the yep. millennium. Um, but um, it's a start. It's a conversation yep. piece, and, and yep. if people becoming more aware... Um, and if you want to, if you want to start thinking about planting edible flowering plants in your veggie mm. garden, it's going to help bring the bees in even yep. more. Help you, you know, your pollination mm. uh, around the garden. And um, yes, yep. let's start. It's a win-win on all. It levels, is a win-win on all. Yes. So, yep. um, so congratulations to them for for um, yeah the the. The uh, the publicity, but I mean, mm. people like like yourself, Penny. You've been growing and eating yeah. flowers for a That's long, right. long time. I, look, I just I just think this um, younger generation of of gardeners are doing some really interesting mm. things. They they're, are, and gardeners and farmers. You know, they're people who don't have room to um, or can't afford to buy land. They're leasing land from neighbours or you know farmers, yeah. and they're setting up their farms on leased land, and, and that's benefiting the farmers. And yeah. you know, there's all sorts Working of together. absolutely mm. fascinating yeah. things. That well, are just yesterday we had um, and organic world. Sorry, mm. Penny, I interrupted that's all right. there. I just wanted to get the organic in because so many of these people are really committed to organics, and I think that's really important too. So I was just going to say, yesterday we had uh, my daughter's new boyfriend who um, works at a cafe next door to the trendiest uh, organic grocery shop in Northcote. Mm. Mm. And um, I said, oh, what sort of food do you do you serve in your cafe? And he said, well, we get all the leftovers from, from the fruit <laughs> shop next door. Are you sure you should be saying this on him? <laughs> well, I won't name any names. But anyway, no, they work together. Organic. It's the same thing. There is yes. absolutely no yep. wastage. So the yep. chefs are able to create dishes yep. and absolutely. whatever there's a lot of. Yep. And they also you know, get things that are foraged from the yep. railway tracks and Yep. So it's, it's a fantastic new world, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. It yes. is. And it's all very, a lot of it's very local. There's a lot of people mm. who are trying to only work within their communities instead of trucking stuff in from Queensland or yep. from overseas. They're using, using what's there, mm. which is really important as well. Mm. 
Totally agree. Yeah. We've just got uh, time, Margot. You've got a plant there you haven't mentioned. I've got two. But, uh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll see how we go. Well, you know, everyone loves the sedums, the autumn joys, which, I mean, mm. the sedums are a huge family, but I'm oh, just talking about the sedums that are um, frost tolerant. They're very decorative, yeah. Way. Have they? Yes. Oh, no. Yes. What are they called now, Wendy? Uh, something like telephonium. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we've got them in here. <laughs> and it's just really throwing all of us. Oh. Anyway, I'm talking about sedums today. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, so everyone knows the one called Autumn Joy because that performs so well. It so does. easy to grow, easy to propagate. But I don't think a lot of people are aware that there are a whole range of other coloured sedums mm. in that sort of look. This is one called Sedum Vera Jamison. Um, and it's got purple foliage. It's more of a ground cover than an upright. It's got daintier, smaller flowers, and it'll grow to about um, of 40 centimetres width, but only 20 high. Okay. And that's with the flowers, so it's really low. Yeah. I've it's used got quite it as big borders. leaves, though, because often the low-growing <clears throat> ones have the smaller leaves. But that yeah. has lovely, lovely big leaves with a beautiful... Yeah. Not big, as big as the other ones. On them. Yeah. yeah. And then there's another one called Matrona, which is... Oh, must be um, almost waist high. Mm. We've got that mm. for sale next. Yeah. Yes. yes. Which, well yeah. Which yeah. Our, it, it sort of collapses <laughs> a bit if you don't support it in yeah. our windy it's area. Beautiful. But, uh, this being low growing, the Vera Jamison, a terrific one. There Excellent. Fantastic. Okay. Um, Wendy, we just need to remind listeners next weekend. Yes. What are the details? Try and explain again where it is, times, etc. Okay, the times are, it's Saturday and Sunday and the times are from 10 until 4 for both days. Um, it's in the observatory precinct which is directly opposite the shrine. If you walk from the shrine across the road, there you are. It'll be very obvious, it's right on the on Birdwood Avenue. Um, it's near Cafe Tan. Uh, there'll be an entrance tent plus um, a friend's tent so you can buy your, um, if you don't, if you're not a member, you can buy membership uh, and you go in and you just wander around. There's a plant crash. Um, there's, uh, <laughs> we, we trolley everything to you. There's a, um, in Birdwood uh, Avenue, there's a, a special section put aside for people to park their cars temporarily so that they can pick up their plants. Yes, Which fantastic. will be important because yes. there'll be a lot of people there. So you'll yes. need to park away, walk to the thing, do your buying yes. and then come back and do your picking up. Yes, that's right. Yes, yep. Yep. excellent. Yep. And can I just say that we've got Pilea peperomioides up for sale, which is um, a really, really rare and um, important special plant. So it's for the first time. Brilliant. Yes. Okay. A uh, big thank you to all the team. We've run out of time as usual. A huge thank you to Jan who's been handling all the calls. We, of course, will be back at uh, 7.30 next weekend. Until then, bye for now.